Hi everyone, welcome to Wildly Becoming. I'm your host, Rachel Bain. Our stories hold the power to help others overcome. Join us each week to hear incredible real life stories from our guests. We are wildly becoming who God created us to be. Let's get started with today's episode. Thanks for joining us again, Wildly Becoming fam. I am so excited, I can hardly stand it. Our next guest is so special to my heart, and believe it or not, we met at a CrossFit gym. We had Freedom Fridays, and this guy would do things that left us all laughing and sometimes speechless. But watching God move in my friend's heart over the last four years has been so incredible, and I am truly humbled and honored to introduce you today to Eric Grant. Eric, welcome. Hi. How you doing? Good. Thank how are you? you? Good. Good. It's Monday. Uh, not my favorite day, but we'll get through it. <laughs> then you have to listen to our reframing thoughts episode. <laughs> I, I will. I will definitely do that. Well, Eric, I am just thrilled to have you on today. I also call Eric my big brother. Him and his wife are truly incredible people. So, Eric, we're just going to jump right in today and get started. I want to ask you first to tell us a little bit about your faith journey, your relationship with God, how that came about. I know you've shared with me some about it and your friend Rosie. So can you tell us and our listeners a little bit about that? Sure, sure. Like we don't have enough time in the rest of this year to tell that story, but I'm going to try to sum it up. For most of my life, my relationship with the Lord was lukewarm at best. And I liked it like that. You know, I'm not going to lie. I was raised Catholic. I kind of drifted away. I tried. I was Baptist for a while, came back to Catholicism, but it was always lukewarm. Like I didn't have that passion. I didn't have that, that depth that I saw in some of my friends. And um, once I retired from the Air Force at the end of 2014, I think like a lot of people, and I didn't see it at the time because what kind of when you're there, you don't see it. But but, you know, I didn't feel that sense of purpose in my life anymore. And I I used to make fun of people that would consider ending their life. And because I didn't understand it, I didn't. But to me, when I would hear these stories or I would read it, I'd say, man, you know, I mean, I would never be like that. You know, that what that seems pretty weak. And, and looking back now that what that seems to to be a pretty piss poor attitude. But I started with to develop up. I didn't like who I was. You know, and again, I didn't realize it at the time. I didn't like who I was. I didn't like who I saw in the mirror. I didn't like where my life was going. I didn't have a sense of purpose. And, uh, you know, it reached a point where, I, I, you know, and I never thought I would get here. I never thought I would get there. But, you know, I considered maybe eating a bullet would be the best thing for everybody. You know, I was drinking at the time, and I hate to say it, but but the drinking helped me not do it. But then I, I kind of had a episode, and I stopped drinking, uh, and that's another story in itself. That we can save that for another time. I quit drinking when I turned fifty because that's what I needed to do, and you know I was still kind of at a loss. I was still searching for something, and yeah, you know, I didn't know it at the time. You know, I didn't know it at the time. And, and, you know, I was still battling what those personal demons. And, you know, I was getting, you know, I never reached out for help. And I understand why people say, oh, 
but we never saw this coming, but we had no idea, you know, and that's because I think you know, as men, we are taught to be strong. We're taught to what to keep things inside. So I didn't mention anything but to anybody, but Renee had no idea. And, and so I was still fighting that fight. But about that time, we moved from Ohio to Georgia, uh, which is where I am now in uh, Augusta, Georgia. And I had read in a magazine about a group that would rescue women and children and family from human trafficking, from lives of slavery. And, you know, I think we've all been there where we've seen a documentary or, we, or we've read an article and we said, well, someone should do something about that. And I don't know what it was about the article, but I, you know, I read the article and they had a web page and they had training where you could go to the training and you could go through that training in hopes that you'd be selected but to join one of their teams when they went uh, overseas. Uh, and this organization, Children's Rescue Initiative, works mostly overseas, you know, in places like Pakistan and uh, Ghana, places like that, where like families are born into slavery you know, and they work in brickyards or they work in other places what, what to pay off a debt that right, they're never going to pay off because the interest rate is so high and, and right, they've been trapped there right their whole life. And that spoke to me at that moment in my life. And so in September of uh, 2021, I attended what their team's training in Pennsylvania. And it must have been the Lord working in my life because it just so happened that someone else from Augusta was going to that training. Uh, and that was my friend Jacob. And somehow we found out and, you know, instead of driving up separately, you know, Jacob said, well, hey, uh, let's drive up together. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's great because what you have someone to talk to, you, you know, it's like a 12 hour trip, give or take. And what well, that's a long trip, a lot of gas. So what well, he came to my house, but we drove up together. But, well, Jacob is a Baptist and he's a very strong Baptist. But he's very strong in his faith. And. Uh, uh, like I give him a hard time about this right to this day, but you know me, Rachel. I'm not a big talker. I will sit in a car ride what, with my wife for about two, three hours and not talk, and I'm fine with that. But Jacob talked the whole twelve hours. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it was all about his walk with the Lord. I was like, oh my, you know, internally, I am like, oh my gosh. I mean, you were dying he, on the inside. I, I, bet. I, I was, I was dying. <laughs> he, he is trying to convert because you know, I was honest about my faith. I was honest about it. I was like, you know, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm Catholic. I'm Luke. Clinton, you know, I mean, we go to church, we go on Christmas and Easter and, you know, a few other times. And he just spoke the whole way. So by the time that we get there, I'm ready for a break. Oh <laughs> yeah. my goodness. I'm ready for a break. But the Lord had different plans. Because as I found out you know, over the next couple of days, CRI is a faith-based organization. Awesome. You know, everyone else there that I could see had a much stronger faith than me. And they're all talking about, about their walks with the Lord and things they've done and ministries that they're involved in. And there was this one uh, young lady. Her name was Rosie. She wanted to be an uh, Orthodox nun. She's about 23 years younger than me. And it's not my place to share her story, 
but if you heard her story, most of us would think, well, she's been through more in her 29 years and her 28 years than I've been through in my 53. She's been through more hardship. She's had such a hard life and been through with so much, but yet her faith is so strong. Her positivity was so strong. Like when you read about a child of God, you have this image in your mind. You have this image of innocence, of, you know, of joy. And just to see her, just to see her attitude, what that just radiated off her. And even though you know, I give her a hard time about it now, we meet people in our lives that sometimes we think to ourselves, you know, I would never talk to this person, you know, outside of this environment. I would never talk to this person again. And it, it shames me to say it, but before I knew Rosie more, Rosie was that person to me. Which is... I didn't ever plan on talking to her again. It's so interesting and, because she's been so pivotal in your life, too. Well, God has used Rosie to literally change your life. Yeah. So when the training started off and we were all getting to know each other, you know, I'm realizing you know, everyone here has such a strong faith. They, they have such a strong relationship with the Lord. I don't have any of that. I don't have any of that. You know, and maybe I should leave because I'm just going to hold these people back. I'm just going to hold these people back. But, you know, the Lord had thought ahead because there was no way for me to leave because I had driven up with Jacob. <laughs> so I, I was not escaping. So I was fighting it with the whole week. You know, but people were sharing their stories, sharing their walk. And you know, I'm like, this is that this is. And I'm running, you know, because I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy being lukewarm. And then one morning, I want to say it was Tuesday. We had just finished a really tough PT session. And, you know, I've been doing physical fitness my whole life. So, and I thought it was hard. And Rosie was not someone who's been involved in fitness for 50 some odd years. And so I know she smoked. And we're all walking back to get cleaned up. We're walking through the woods. It's still sprinkling, still kind of rainy. Fog's coming up. She's barefoot, which is another story. And she's splashing through the mud and she's giggling and she's laughing and she's like, Isn't this glorious? Isn't sorry. You know, again, we talk about a child of God, but when you see it in front of you, and I just had a realization right then and there, I said, but I've been wrong my entire life. But for 51 years, my attitude towards other people has been 100% wrong. I'm going about this all wrong. I am selfish. I am cynical. I don't like who I am. And I have to change. And that was really, that was really but the starting point. That was really it. It was that evening that I prayed and I opened my heart to the Lord. In probably the first serious way that I ever had in my entire life, because I really wanted to understand, you know, I don't drink anymore. I don't, I don't think about eating a bullet because I have a sense of purpose. It's still a struggle, right? Every day is a struggle. And 
I think we all have those struggles, right? It's not, oh, yeah, I wake up, it's all joy and gladness, and right. oh, it's going to be so easy today because I love God and God loves me. And it's a struggle, and it shouldn't be a struggle because if it's not a struggle, we're doing something wrong. Right. That's kind of how I got from A to B. I love that Rosie really exuded the joy of the Lord. And when you saw her childlike faith and her operating in that joy, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. And she was, like you said, just pure hearted, childlike faith and joy. And it just helped you to realize I've been sitting in judgment of people. I love when you shared, I don't like myself. I don't like the way I'm thinking. I want to change now. It's wild how God has dealt with each one of us individually. So unique and the Lord knew it was going to take something like that to break that off of you, because I do want to add, for those that don't know Eric and you can't see him right now, he is a muscle-bound, bad-to-the-bone, like nobody's messing with Eric. And it's funny when you said Rosie was your partner, because I remember being a partner with you in a CrossFit wad, and I'm like, I did not just get paired up with the baddest, most awesome dude in the gym. Oh my gosh, I'm going to die. So it's just that, you know, but that was your persona and you would like literally blow things up, fireworks, explosive guns. It was just like always fun, but he was always so kind and nice to me, but you were like hard, like hardcore, I guess. And when you said in 2014, you lost your purpose and had no desire to live. Studies have shown that without purpose, a lot of people do struggle with a desire to even keep going. So now yeah, you have yeah. a purpose, right? Yeah, I'm going to share one more quick story about Rosie because what we talk about, about physical fitness. In some of the training, yeah, we did some martial arts, some, you know, some hand-to-hand. You know, and of course, what we had gloves and we had pads and we were hitting the pads. And that particular day, over the course of, you know, of a few days, we, we get paired up with different people. And I'd been paired up with some different people. And they're like, oh my gosh, I would not want to be, you know, I would not want to get hit with you with that, you know, and I'm wearing <laughs> pads and what they're wearing pads. And then I got paired up with Rosie, who's like five, two, like 110 pounds. And like, I'm hitting the pad, like, I'm not going any easier because we're just holding the pads up. And she's like, you can hit the pads harder, but you don't, you don't have to go soft. with." Me. And I'm like, I am hitting the pads. <laughs> and, and, and she said this a couple of times and I'm like, I am out of my league here. Oh my <laughs> I am, goodness. I love I am that. Just out of, I am just out of my league. I mean, what do you do? I mean, you know, because we say there's not, but there's a lot bound up in the male ego. Right. And yes. <laughs> so I, just, I had to take a step back. I had to laugh at myself at that one because I'm like, all right. I guess I got some stuff to learn. That's so. great. I love that. So, <laughs> oh my goodness. I thank God for Rosie. I thank God for pairing you up on the long car ride with someone sharing their story of how they came to really have a personal relationship with the Lord. And what are you doing now with your human trafficking? So you've got your relationship with God going now. You've got your purpose back. You're feeling more hopeful about life, even though I love that you shared it's still a struggle because that's real life. So how do you help organizations now with the human trafficking piece, Eric? Sure. So I went to that training that was back in September of uh, 21. That organization is going through some growing pains. And, and so I haven't necessarily been involved with CRI. CRI does fantastic work. They have great operators. They just came back from a couple of missions and they're starting off to operate 
domestically here in the States as well. And I have no doubt that they are going to do fantastic things. They'll continue to do fantastic things. You know, I'm a friend of its founder, Bruce, and Bruce is is a man of the Lord. And he, you know, what he has given his life to help those who are less fortunate. And, and he does a very good job of it. So there are hundreds of organizations out there right? And the anti-trafficking space is quite large. Some people just focus on the digital space. Some people focus on the financial you know, aspect and trying to follow the finances, whether that be like crypto or, or, you know, or just generic financial stuff. Some people are on the ground, with boots on the ground, getting their hands dirty, so to speak. So there is a lot to choose from. Through all the friends I made, at the CRI training. And many of us were still keep in touch because I, I, I made some great friends there, you know, who helped keep me focused as well. And one of those friends introduced me to this organization called what the Human Trafficking Service Center. They are headquartered in Pennsylvania and I'm good friends with their friend, Allie. And so just through our mutual conversations, she wants to grow that organization. She wants to do more. And through the small things that I've done uh, helping her, she's put me in charge of Georgia operations. And the things that we're working on now is trying to grow that organization. But my particular piece of it, because that's what I do for my job, is the uh, cyber aspect. So doing online uh, investigations, partnering with other organizations that do that, but to continue to learn what the space looks like, how that's evolving, you know, how that's changing. I think I shared with you that a few weeks back, I went down to Texas to work with the Texas Counter Trafficking Initiative. I want to make sure I have that right, but I'm pretty sure that's it. The founder of that organization was what the gentleman who rescued that girl who was abducted at the Mavericks game. And she was being trafficked, but just a few days later, he found her. Uh, wow. Right, he recovered her. And thank God. Yeah, exactly. Right. Because you don't expect to go to a, a major sports arena and have your child kidnapped by traffickers. So I worked with with him and his team and they are boots on the ground. They do the online research. He's an expert at what he does. He shared so much information with me with the three days that I was down there that I'm still processing it. Uh, so I worked with him in Houston for three days. We were trying to find an uh, underage female who was being trafficked and he thought was in the area. We did not locate her. He's still working that case. He's worked with some other cases and we can't thank him enough. So I came back from that. Of course, I shared that information with my team. We'd like to set up some additional operations with him so that we can continue to learn and continue to grow. That is incredible. Thank you so much, Eric, for all the work that you're doing in human trafficking. I, I, I have not done much, but most have done more. I'm, I've done little things. I've done some research. I've, I'm doing this part-time and a lot of organizations do it full-time. Uh, if I could find a full-time job that paid the bills and I could do this, I would do it. I haven't found that yet, so I'll continue to do it part-time. But I, I have not done much. Not compared well, to, thank you for doing. <laughs> yeah, Sorry. I think you're being humble. Yes, but... thank you for doing. <laughs> so I want to just say, take a moment to 
tell you thank you. Thank you for being vulnerable and transparent and sharing your story. This is a really big deal. I know you are private and do not share your story lightly. And I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for you and your friendship and that I'm so thankful that you never ate a bullet and that God saved you in multiple ways. And I'm thankful for what he's doing in your heart and your life and your family and through you and human trafficking. If you could encourage anyone today listening from your story, what would you want to tell them? Let me start off by saying that when it comes to men being vulnerable, I think a lot of times, and again, I'm speaking from my experience, but you know, I talk to other guys as well, but obviously, I think a lot of times we know what we should say, what the right thing to say is. We know it here, right? But to get it to here is an obstacle that's too much for us, for a lot of us, right? Because again, I didn't, I didn't tell Renee anything. You know, what she didn't, yeah, I didn't tell anybody. I didn't tell anybody. But not just in those circumstances, right? I think in, in our relationships with people and all my friends what, that I made at CRI, you know, Jacob, Rosie, Ryan, it just, I could go on and name people. They're much better at being vulnerable than I was. And again, you know, I've got about 50 years of learned behavior, what to overcome, right? So it's not, it's not necessarily easy when you get a little older. But if I was able to do it, and I was the most cynical, selfish, self-centered person imaginable, cold-hearted, ask my wife what she'll tell you, what Renee will tell you. But I was cold, and, and you know, I still am. But if I can do it, you know, almost anyone can. And I mean, I don't really think that my story is all that epic or inspiring. I mean, but if it helps, I mean, which is why I decided what to share it, because you and I had that Zoom meeting and I kind of told you and you thought it was important. I think we all tend to minimize our story and the impact it has and can have on others because we are humble and we don't realize because we're living it. But your story is very big deal because a lot of men need to hear what you are saying. Yeah. It's hard to unlearn and relearn. It's hard to be vulnerable. Yeah. You know, I would say it. it's okay to be vulnerable. My godmother says this. Rosie says this. She said, when men are vulnerable, great things happen. I love and that. I'm still learning that. Right. I'm still learning that because I'm still a stupid boy. Right. <laughs> but let's be honest. And so I learn that every day. And and it's OK to be vulnerable. It's tough. Sure. You know, especially in a public forum, because I know that this is going to be on the Internet for everyone to see. And well, there were a couple of times where I had some serious doubts. But, you know, again, what you and I spoke and you thought it was important. And I mean, like I said, if if you, know, if you needed it, it's yours. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's going to be hard, but there is, there's always hope if, like, I don't know where I'd be if I hadn't gone to that training in September. Really, but kind of a, a, a short story is I wasn't supposed to go in September. I was supposed to go in June, but we were moving to Georgia, so I couldn't go in June, and I would have missed all those people. That was God's so, divine plan. Uh, no, of course, you know, <laughs> at the time, 
because I wasn't faithful, but I didn't see it. But there's no such thing as a coincidence because now I look back and I see things that happen each day and I'm, I'm just like, like, wow. But I would just say there's always hope. It's going to be a struggle. What life is a struggle. Most of what we do is a struggle. But it's a struggle, but that makes it worth it, right? Because if we're just given something for free, if we're just like handed something, I mean, that kind of takes, that takes some of the pleasure away from it, right? If you work for something and you work really hard and then you're there at the end, you're like, oh, you know, I did this. But there's a little bit of pride in there. There's a little bit of ownership. So I would share that, yeah, but the struggle is real, but open yourself up, right? Be vulnerable, to, but talk to people. That's been probably what the biggest thing that has changed my life is if I have a question about something or I'm feeling a certain way or, or I'm feeling really depressed is, is, you know, is telling someone, which I wouldn't do before, right? You'd keep it all inside. And that doesn't do anybody any good. It certainly doesn't do you, the, what the person who's suffering any good, what you, yeah, we're meant to share that burden. Yes. Right. We're meant to share it. I'm going to piggyback on Eric's story real quick as we wrap up. And just also add, and I don't know if Eric knows this, I think I may have told you, but I'm not sure. He was always one of my favorite people at my CrossFit gym, but I prayed for the people there. And Eric was one of the people that I was always praying for all those years ago. And I just saw the light in him, even though I knew he didn't see it at the time. And I just always pray, God, help me shine my light in this place, but I would pray specifically for Eric. I don't know what it was about you, Eric, but something about you illuminated to me. And not only were you my favorite, probably because you made me laugh and I love to laugh and you're just so funny and fun, but you also encouraged me there. So the light's always been in you. It's just that little spark has now turned into a bigger flame. And I just want to encourage our listeners that that's why we pray for people in our life, right? And that we meet, even if we don't know them on a deep level yet, I'm not saying this selfishly, but I hope that maybe, just maybe, those prayers back then helped Eric to get to the path that he's on today. So I just want to tell you, thank you again for being here with us. Thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for being transparent. And I know this was not an easy decision to come to, to say yes. And so I appreciate your yes to share your story, Eric. You know, I mean, I'm glad to be here. When I'm talking to other people, I say, especially after being vulnerable, I said, that's as vulnerable as I'm going to be today. And, and that's, as, <laughs> but that's as, but as vulnerable as I'm going to be today. But you just, that's all I had. Well, thank you, thank you so much. That's, that's thank you. I, I just adore you. You're the best big brother. Oh my gosh. Thank you so thank much. Thank you for giving us that part of all you have today. <laughs> yes. Well, that's awesome. Yes. We thank thank you. you so much. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Thank you. For everyone listening today, please share this podcast if you know someone that can be helped by Eric's story. Thank you for listening today. And as always, stay, stay wild. wild. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. If you liked what you heard, feel free to reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at Rachel Bain Ministries. Send me a message or leave a comment and I'd love to get back to you. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast by clicking the subscribe button. Remember, you are wildly becoming who God created you to be. The Rise FM Podcast Network.